Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Good morning, Celebrate. It is great to be together as we continue this series, God's Amazing Promises. I'm so grateful for Pastor Keith, his vision for this series, his constant example to me of someone who follows Jesus, and for his allowing me to open up God's Word with you today. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. Yeah, I don't know how many of you have done any kind of a study of, of Mount Everest and some facts. I, I just did some this week, thought it would be kind of interesting to learn a few things about it. Here's some, some trivia facts about Mount Everest. First of all, how tall is it? Well, it is 29,028 feet, 29,028 feet, which is amazing when you think about it, that is only 29,000 feet higher than our mountain, Great Bear. I mean, that's something to be proud of, I think. I'm, I'm thrilled by that. Who's, uh, who's Mount Everest named after? Sir George Everest, who discovered it in 1841. Uh, where's it located? Now, contrary to a lot of people's thoughts that it's located between the North Dakota-South Dakota border, it is not. It is between the borders of China and Nepal. That is where it is located. Uh, when can you climb Mount Everest? Uh, you can climb Mount Everest two different times, in the month of May, because the winds have to be down, or in a brief time in September. That's when you can climb it. Uh, who's climbed Mount Everest the most? I thought this was an interesting one. It's, it's actually held, the record's held by two Sherpas, Sherpa guides, and he guesses on how many times each of them have climbed Mount Everest? 21. 21 times each, which I think is pretty impressive when you realize a lot of them use no oxygen, Okay. The first people to ever climb Mount Everest, some of you might know this one, Edmund Hillary. Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa guide who did it in 1953. 1953. There's actually 4,000 people that have, have climbed Mount Everest, 800 attempt every year. Here's an interesting one. The youngest person ever to climb Mount Everest. How old do you think? What do you guess? 13. 13. Any 13-year-olds here? Any 13-year-olds? Okay, do it quick. If you're going to tie the record, hurry up. Let's go. How about the oldest? The oldest person ever to climb Mount Everest. Any guesses? 80. Anybody here willing to admit you're 80? You know, let's go after it. You know, it's interesting. Maybe an interesting trivia, have people with disabilities climb Mount Everest? The answer is yes. A completely blind person, Eric Wanmeyer, has climbed it. A person who is an amputee, double amputee, and a person with multiple sclerosis, they've all climbed Mount Everest. It's crazy to think about 4,000 people have climbed Mount Everest, and they represent literally every age, race, gender, language that there is, and yet they all have the same two things in common. What are they? They all started at base camp, and they never stopped climbing. You and I are in a climb. Life is a climb. Can we agree that most of it's uphill? Life is a climb. And you and I, the purpose of our life in becoming like Christ, being what God made us to become, is a climb. It's a summit. And yet I see so many people who never make the climb. Why? They didn't start a base camp, and they stopped climbing. If you're a follower of Jesus, Romans 8.1 is our base camp. Pastor Keith started this last week with us, and we're going to take it and then continue, because you have to understand where base camp starts. That's where everything starts. Base camp is Romans 8.1. I want us to read it out loud together. You see on the screens. Here we go. Read it out loud. 
and. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that a good base camp? It's a great base camp. There's no what? No condemnation. So I'm going to say something, and you say no condemnation after it. When I blow it, when I fail, when I mess up, when I'm defeated, when I feel like trash, that's base camp. There's no condemnation. It doesn't matter what you've done, what I've done. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. That's the base camp of where you and I start. Now, the summit that we're going to is actually in Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28, Pastor Keith went through it, and we're going to talk about it today. Let's say it in sections. Repeat it after me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him. That is the summit. Now, there are four truths about God's unfailing guarantee that we're going to walk through. Two Pastor Keith shared last week. We'll review them and then go to the next two. But let me do this. Let me pray for us. Father God, this is your word. It's not mine. I have nothing to say. But your word has everything to say. God, I pray that you would allow us for these few moments just to put aside anything that, that we've held on to from the week anything that's within our heart that's anxious, fearful, hurting, any concerns about tomorrow or the next day or the, what's ahead, God, help us to put it all aside and just for these moments, focus on you and your word. Let it speak to us. Let us hear what you want us to hear. We ask this and God's people said. Here's the first promise Pastor Key shared with us last week about this certainty. It is a certainty promise and we know. And we know. Yeah, you ever heard the phrase, when you know that you know that you know? You ever heard that phrase? Because when you know that you know that you know, I mean, nothing can shake your tree. It can't, because you know that you know that you know. How can we know that we know that we know that these promises from God are true? Well, Pastor Keith shared last week that, first of all, it's because who God is. It's because of his character that we can know that. See, this is, this is not a promise based on a human condition, but, but God's disposition. One of the things that, that I do quite often, and I might do it two, three, four times a week, whether I'm walking or driving, is, is I just walk through the alphabet. I just walk through the alphabet on each letter. I try to see how many qualities of God I can think of. And I, I just say them to God. A, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. You're astonishing. You're able. B, you're beautiful. You're bold. You're bountiful. You're bodacious. I like that one. You're bodacious. C, you're constant, you're consistent, you're considerate. D, you're dynamic, you're delightful. E, man, you're enough, you're enough. You're everlasting, you're eternal. F, man, you're a great father, you're a great father, you're a great friend, you never fail, you're forever. And you know what happens by the time I get to Z? I am fired up. I am because what my mind now is dwelling on are the attributes of God. And no matter what's going on in my life, you know what happens to me by the time I get to see? God's bigger. That's what happens to me. I realize that no matter what, God's bigger. In fact, say God's bigger. God's I'm going to say a word. You say that after me. Sin. Sickness. Death. Cancer. Divorce. Addiction. Bankruptcy. COVID. God's bigger than everything. In fact, look at what Romans 8, 31 says. If God is for me, then what? 
bam, God's bigger. My dad's bigger than your dad. That's how it is. You remember that when your kids growing up? Comparing, you know, kind of thing. Reminds me of the three little boys that were talking and the one little boy said, you know, my dad, he takes some piece of paper, writes some words on it. They call it a poem and he gets 50 bucks. Second boy says, ah. He says, my dad, he writes some words on a piece of paper. They call it a song. He gets 100 bucks. The third little boy said, go jump in a lake. My dad, what he does is he writes down some words on a piece of paper. They call it a sermon and it takes eight guys to collect all the money. <laughs> yeah. My dad's bigger. In fact, if you have your finger, Romans 8, just turn them in, hold it there, and turn to the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. And you'll see from the very beginning, he's bigger. In fact, Genesis 1 talks about the whole creation, how God created everything, and you'll see three words repeated over and over and over and over again. Any of you know what those three words are? And God said... And God said, and God said, look at this, verse three, and God said, let there be light. And it was. Look at verse six, and God said, look at verse nine, and God said, verse 14, and God said, verse 20, and God said, and it goes on and on. God said it, it happened, and it was good, good. Absolutely, that everything happens, it's good. And that's what he's saying here, it's for the Good, because that's who God is. It is his character. But also we can know that we know that we know because of our own personal experiences. How, how many of you can say that you've experienced God? You've experienced him. Yeah. How many of you say you've seen a miracle? Now, if you haven't, just take a deep breath in and let it out. You just saw one. Because every breath is a miracle. Now, miracles are all around us, but if you want to ask Jonathan and Christina, they'll tell you this week about a miracle that happened. And God showed up. Charles Spurgeon, Pastor Keith, had this quote last week. It says this, once you've eaten honey, no one has to describe its sweetness to you. You know it from experience. I love how David says it in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, love that. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We can know that we know that we know. So repeat after me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, here's the second promise, part of it, that Pastor Keith shared last week. It's a complete promise. In all things, in all things. In fact, at Celebrate, we say this a lot. God is good. And all the time. Absolutely. He is good all the time. But we get in trouble. We get in trouble when we see that something's happened in our life, to our life, whatever the case may be, and we look at, at a still picture. Because in the moment of the picture, it doesn't look good. It doesn't. But we have to remind ourselves, friends, that our life is not a still picture. It is a motion picture of all frames that all fit together. And some frames are not good. But in the motion picture of our life, it is all good. That includes the pleasant experiences, which are fun, also the unpleasant experiences that are no fun. So if I said this last month, how many had some good things happen to you? Okay, how many had some bad things happen to you? It's life. It's a motion picture all the way through it. It's interesting if you look at Romans 8, 17. I love this verse. Now, if we are children, 
then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Whoa! I like that. How do you like that? Co-heirs with Christ, heirs of God, bang! Whoa, watch out. If, if, is that unconditional or conditional? It's conditional if we indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we can also share in his glory. It says this, if you want everything of God's, the good and the bad come together. If Christ suffered, we suffer. It's all part of it though, and you have to see it in it together. In fact, have you ever thought that or found out that sometimes things you thought were bad are actually good and sometimes things you thought were good were actually bad? It reminds me of the story of the guy that went skydiving. Good. But his parachute didn't open. Oh, that's bad. But there's a big haystack below. That's good. But there's a pitchfork in the haystack. That's bad. But he missed the pitchfork. That's good. But he missed the haystack. That's really bad. Our problem is this. This is how we look at life as humans. Here's where we are. Here's where we are today. And here's where we want to be. These are the goals and dreams we have for our life, for our marriage, for our children, for whatever the case. And we want life to be, boom. That's what we want as humans. We want just, let's just go there. Let me ask you a question. If you were in a hospital room hooked up to a machine and that's what it showed, Would that excite you? No, if you're in a hospital room and that's what it shows, what does that say? You're dead. That's what it shows. What you want to see on the machine is you want to see an up followed by a down, up by a down, up by a down. This is what you want to see on the machine because that is life. Ups and downs. In fact, it's interesting if you look at Joseph in the Bible, just read his story. This is it. Loved by his dad, immediately hated by his brothers. Dad gave him a coat of many colors, immediately sold into slavery by his brothers. Gained favor with Potiphar, framed by Potiphar's wife. Went into prison, gained favor, forgotten, boom, 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 until he became second in the command of all of Egypt. See, our problem, my problem is this. I look at life and then I put, that, I put everything that's above the line as good and everything that's below the line is what? Bad. And so what happens is when I have a bad experience or something bad happens to me or whatever the case may be, what we try to do on this end is we try to get out of it as quick as possible. We try to maybe escape it. That's where addictions come a lot of times. We might excuse it. It's their fault, their problem, whatever the case be. No, it's a part of life. All of it's together. So in a marriage, you will have ups and you will have Downs. It's all a part of life. So we look. That's why Pastor Keith last week he made this statement. He says, Our bad, no matter how bad, isn't that bad. Because if you're in a bad spot, what's the next thing that's going to happen? And up. And if you're in an up spot right now, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> Don't say I didn't warn you. That is life. So repeat after me. And we know. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Let's look at the third promise part of it. It is a compassionate promise. 
It's a compassionate promise. It says that God works for the good. See, the subject of this sentence is, is a who. It's God. It's not what we've done or faced, but what God can do. Have any of you figured out that sometimes don't, things don't always go according to the way you planned it? <laughs> Especially if you have kids. You ever try to hurry a two-year-old? <laughs> ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. You know, you hear sometimes people say, oh, it'll just all work out. It'll just all work out. <laughs> They're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> it does not just all work out. You can take an instrument like the piano or guitar or anything else. In and of itself, it's nothing. You have to have somebody play it. To make things turn for good, you have to allow God to play it out. And there's two parts of this we have to understand. First of all, is that we have to understand that everything in and of itself is not good. It's not good. Cancer is not good. Divorce is not good. God does not say that everything's good. He doesn't say that. What he says is he can make everything work to the good. That's one part. The other part says this, so no matter what happens, no matter what happens, if I'm in Christ, I win. That's what it means. No matter what happens, if I'm in Christ, I win. Have you ever had a bad day? I mean, just one of those days that you just, ah, you go to the calendar, you just exit out. <laughs> if you ever have one of those days, can I encourage you? Go read Job chapter one. Just compare days, just compare it. If you've never read it, in one day, I mean, in a matter of one day, Job loses everything, everything. Thing. He loses all of his wealth, all of his possessions, all of his flocks, all of his servants, all of his children, all of his health. He loses it all in one day. It's a bad day. Yet it's interesting what he says in Job chapter 13. Look at this. Though God slay me, though God kill me, even if God kill me, yet I will hope in him, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Well, that's a... That's a mouthful. What? what is that about? Here's what Job's saying. Even if God takes my life, even if he takes my life, I'm going to be in his presence, and then we're going to talk about it. <laughs> because how many know there's going to be some things this side of heaven we'll never understand? Okay? We'll never understand it this side of heaven. That's what we'll talk to God about. I, if you maybe have heard Pastor Keith share this, but his dad, Pastor Glenn, who's so wonderful, had a man in his in his church one time that was dying of cancer, and they, they prayed for him. Randy Einman was his name, and they prayed for him that he'd be healed, and he went to heaven. But this is what he said to Pastor Glenn before he went to heaven. He says, let him know that I win. And here's how he said it. I'm in a win-win situation. If I live, I'm going to glorify Christ. If I die, I'm going to see Christ. <laughs> Either way, I win. That's why no matter what happens when you're in Christ, you win. That's what it means. Uh, you know, if any of you like to bake, cook at all? Any bakers? How many just, you don't like that, but you like to eat? Okay. You know, if, if, if you ever do a recipe, you'll realize this, that in and of themselves, the ingredients in a recipe in and of themselves might not be that good. Might be good. For example, this recipe, one cup sugar. In and of itself, eh. One cup packed light brown sugar. How about a half a cup unsalted butter? Put that in your mouth and just chew on that for a while. Okay, not good. Three large eggs? Well, that would be good, depending upon how it's made. A cup and a half of peanut butter. I'm up for that. 
I could eat that. One tablespoon vanilla extract. How about two teaspoons baking soda? <laughs> yeah, not by itself. How about a half a teaspoon of salt? Maybe not. Four and a half cups of oats. How about one cup mini M&Ms? I'm up for that one. That's good. One cup mini chocolate chips. Boom. But in and of themselves, but you put them all together, put them in the oven over time. What do you get? Monster cookies. Oh, yeah. With a gallon of milk, I'll eat 40 of them bad boys right now. Because it's great all together. And see, that's what God says. God says the ingredients, the individual frame, you can't look at it that way, but put it all together. Let me in time, sometimes overheat, I'll make good out of it. The, the, the greatest example of this is the cross. It is. Think about this. In and of itself, this moment, is it good or not good? That God watched his only son be arrested and betrayed. Good or not good? In and of itself. Not good. God watched his only son be beaten. The Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition, had his beard pulled out. Good or not good? Not good. God watched his only son literally get the skin ripped off of his back through scourging of a cat of nine tails. Not good. God watched his only son be humiliated, stripped, literally naked, literally naked, and put on a cross. Not good. He watched his only son have nails put through his hands. Not good. Had nails put through his feet. Not good. He watched his only son die on the cross. Not good. But he also saw his son conquer death, come alive so that we could be with him forever. Is that good? good. That's good. Amen. So you can't look at it in the moment. You know, if you've, ever, if you've ever played the piano or ever taken piano lessons, you'll understand that there are 88 keys on the piano. 88 keys. There's, there's some neutral keys, and then there's some other keys, and they're called a name. Sharps or flats. That's what they're called. And, and in and of themselves, but maybe when you have a couple of them happen to you, it doesn't sound so pleasant. And that's how I think a lot of people in life happen to them. You maybe had a lot of sharp things happen to you. Maybe sharp remarks things that cut you, cutting relationships, cutting things bleed, and it bled you, and it hurts you, and that cutting remarks became things that people said to you, maybe said about you, maybe you said about yourself, and you started to believe that's who you are. Or maybe it's a flat, and it's been a disappointment in your life, a defeat, a discouragement. Things didn't turn out, the marriage didn't turn out, the relationships didn't turn out, your goals didn't turn out, and you feel like this, and this has become your life. And these are the notes you play over and over again because of the fact that this is who you believe you are. God says, no, 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 no. Let me take those notes and let me put them, let me put them in a song. play it, it's not going to end good. But when you get God play it, it'll end well. See, and that's what has to happen in your life. You have to let God play it all. Let God play it all. You know, you might not have known the name Lindsay Snyder Ellingson. You might not ever have known that name. She is an American businesswoman. And if you looked at the chart, 
Wow, that's pretty much above the line. She is the heiress of the In-N-Out Burger Company. Have you had an In-N-Out Burger? Interesting, she's the only grandchild of the grandparents who started it. That's, that's pretty good. In 2012, she became the youngest female billionaire in this country. Wow, where's that on the line? Holy cow, probably here. Here, I think that's, that's good to be 32 years old and to become a billionaire. But that's not where she was. She was down here. Because she had just gone through her third divorce because of loss of family, loss of a lot of things in her life. She felt anything but a success. She felt like a total failure. Until she came to a point of letting God play it all. Here's how she says it. God took me to a place I had never been before. He showed me in a time that I felt more alone than ever, more of a piece of trash than ever, more of a failure than ever, that he was there and he was going to really love me and fill that void, and that he had been there all along wanting to fill that void, but he just needed me to let go. I was just never willing to let go, so I was now as forced to. I knew it was time to get alone with God. I was alone, but it was okay. I had the Jesus that walked on water, that healed the sick. I had that Jesus filling my void, touching my heart, filling me with who he made me to be. I saw myself for how he saw me versus seeing me for the things I had done. He got me back up after all those failures, and he now can lift me up and can go forward, and he can be glorified. If I can encourage you to go on YouTube, check out Lindsay Snyder, L-Y-N-S-I, Lindsay Snyder, I am second and let her talk about her relationship with her Jesus. She got to base camp. She realized now there's no condemnation, didn't matter. And she started the climb. And here's where the climb has led for her, Romans 8. Look at verses 37 to 39. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life or angels or demons, neither the present, the future, any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God who's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a good word. So repeat after me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. This is the last part of the promise. It is also, though, a conditional promise. It's a what? It's a conditional promise. 8,810 promises in the Bible, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, are the majority of them unconditional or conditional? Majority of them are conditional. Works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I, I don't know if, if you've ever bought something and then realized the guarantee isn't what you thought it was going to be. Or they didn't carry through the way you thought they were going to carry through. Guarantees are a very interesting thing. I remember years ago, took our son to, he was in elementary school, and took him to the Shrine Circus. Have you been to the Shrine Circus? Oh, yeah. And you want to get there early because of all the health food, the broccoli and the carrots and all that health food that's out there. Oh, yeah. So we got there early. It's at the arena. We got there early, and we're sitting there, and, of course, people are walking up down the aisle selling things, okay? It was so funny because this gal in front of me, her little boy wanted one of these little toys and little toy guns. And maybe you've seen them, these little toy guns that they make a noise, and they shoot little sparks. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Parents hate that toy, okay? But kids love them. So she bought this little toy for this kid, a couple bucks, you know, and he's, and the guy that sold it is walking down the aisle. Now he's walking up. And as he's walking up, the mom turns and says, 
hey, what's the guarantee on this toy? And without missing me, he goes, 10.30. She goes, 10.30? What's that? As he keeps walking, he says, either 10 seconds after you buy it or I'm 30 feet away. And literally, the gun went and broke right there as he kept walking. <laughs> Not a good guarantee. That's what it was. Or maybe it is guaranteed, but you didn't use it the way it was supposed to. And now it can't function. I remember Cindy and I, when we first got married, she had a little Honda. We were going to sell it. And back then, you put it in the shopper's news and people would call. And so I've, of course, me being a little bit on the cheap side, I didn't want to have a full tank of gas because I wasn't going to pay for that, you know, so I was going to try to keep gas at minimal. So guy comes over, looks at it, and we cannot get that thing started. I'm just going, oh, no, come on. Cannot get it started. Cannot get it started. Well, he says, listen, if you can figure out what's wrong, I'm, I'm interested. Just, you know, you got to tell me what's wrong. I said, okay, I'll figure it out. Well, he left, and I figured out, out of gas. Ah! But my neighbor, I knew, had gasoline. Had a five-gallon can of gas. So I went, okay, no problem. Hang on. He was still there. I pulled it, put it in the five gallons. Boom. Could not get that thing, could not get that thing started. He says, well, he said, let me know. I said, okay. He leaves. My neighbor comes home just a few hours later. Went to my neighbor and said, listen, I need to pay you for the gas. I, I borrowed your gas guy. He said, um, that's, that's not gas. He said, it was a, it's a gas. It says gas. He says, oh, I know it says gas. It's not gas. So what is it? He said, kerosene. Man, Hondas do not run well on kerosene. Oh, my land. But as interesting as human beings, we said, I thought God was supposed to work out for everything for good. Where's that? Hmm. It was conditional for those who love him. For those who love him. So let me ask you and I a question. Two parts of this. If you want to make the promise good, it's conditional. Are you and I passionately in love with Jesus? Passionately. I didn't say, do you come to church? I didn't say, do you believe in Jesus? I, I have this conversation with people all the time. Well, I believe in God. Yay, irrelevant. Irrelevant if you believe in God. Demons believe. Has nothing to do with it. Are you passionately in love with God? Do you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? If we looked at your calendar, my calendar, this week, this week, would we say yes by the time I, that we have in our calendar that we have spent time in God's word, we're passionately in love with him? By the time in our, in, in our calendar that is there for prayer, we passionately love him. That we make worship a priority, passionately love. Our tithing, our checkbook shows we passionately love him. The way I love other people passionately shows I love Jesus because this is what Jesus said. First John, if anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Are we passionately in love with Jesus? Here's the second one. Do we have a persistent longing to be like Jesus? to be like him. Psalm 42 says this, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. See, the question, Pastor Keith said it last week, the question is not, Jesus, is Jesus my savior? That's not the question. The question is, is he my Lord? Does he have everything in me? Does he have everything in me? He said it last week, Pastor Keith, if Jesus is not our Lord, then he's not our savior. In other words, 
am I willing to die to myself? There's some things I keep in my Bible that will always be there till the day I die. Some of them are letters. Here's one of the letters that I keep in my Bible. It's a letter I got 21 years ago. This guy you'll meet in heaven, Charlie Tremendous Jones, wonderful man. This is a second letter because we'd gotten a previous letter from him that he sent to some friends about six months earlier that said this, basically, um, I've been told that I have cancer. It's inoperable. There's nothing they can do. And then he said this in that letter. He says, but don't pray for me. I think that's an interesting thought. Don't pray for me. He says, I already know where I'm going. Instead, pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Then, after that prayer, if you want to pray for me, you can. Well, here's the second letter, July 15, 2000. Well, they did a CAT scan, bone scan, and ultrasound camera. The cancer that had spread from the prostate to the rectal rim and supposedly inoperable is all gone. This year was a great reminder to me, catch this, that all news is good news. All news is good news. When I got the word of cancer, I was surprised and a little shocked, but I realized immediately that I already died 50 years ago when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. He said, I received his forgiveness in Christ and received new life in him. Since that day, 1950, he said, I've been reckoning myself dead because my old life died when I received my new life in Christ. I've been dying daily, learning that to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's lordship. Lordship says, it's all yours. It's all yours. I own nothing. I tell God this all the time. Cindy's yours. The kids are yours. The grandkids are yours. House is yours. These clothes, are, this body's yours. Everything's yours. I own nothing. It's all yours. It's interesting. Romans 8, 29 says this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the likeness of his son. See, the journey that God wants you to on, the climb he has you on, is to become like Jesus. That honors him, but it also lets everyone else know who Jesus is. Are you passionately in love with Jesus? Does he have everything in your life? Everything. Does he have it all? Is he Lord of your life? When he does, it's all good. Because he will change your thinking. And this is what God did to me a few years back. He said, Reed, I can't get you to where you want to go because you keep coming back to this. And you always want these things, and these are the highlights. You want, to want these experiences over again, and you want to avoid these, Reed, because you, you're looking at it wrong. You think that, well, God's with me. God's against me. God's with me. God's against me. Oh, my land, Reed, please. I have to get you to a point where you understand it differently. This is not life. This is life. It's all a part of the climb. Because when you start at base camp, there is no condemnation. I am forgiven in Christ. Start the climb. Is any of this bad? No, it's part of the climb. And I will take and I will make all things work for good and keep climbing, keep climbing. Don't die in the mountain because this happened to you and you think it's bad. Quit dying there. Get up and stay climbing. I have work for you to do. I have things for you to do. I have need to be a part of my kingdom work. Let's go. I went, got it. So every day, God, I love you with all my heart. I'm dead today. <laughs> They'll bury me sometime, but I'm dead today. What do you want to do? And I know that I know that I know that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him. It's a promise. You can bank on it. He sent his son to the cross for that. So here's the question. Where are you at? Really, some of you are not even at base camp yet because you're still under condemnation. Maybe you haven't understand how God forgives you. Maybe you haven't forgiven yourself. You can't get off if you don't start there. Maybe some of you have started there, but to be honest, you've got stuck in the way because you thought something was bad. And you've been playing that note over and over and over and over again. Let God take it. Let him take a song and make it. Father God, thank you for your word. It's so true. It's so right. But God, thank you for your promises. God, you're so, so good in the promise because everything, it's not bad, it's not good. It's all part of what you can do. Maybe you're here today and you haven't gotten to base camp. You're still underneath condemnation. You're still feeling it. You're living in regret. You're living all these. Today, that's you. If that is, maybe that prayer for you just says this. Dear God, forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Thank you that there's no condemnation. Maybe for some of you, you've done that, but you've gotten stuck along the way because something bad happened and you thought about it and that's what you've stayed on. Maybe your prayer is this. Dear God, thank you that you'll work all things for good. God, help me to get back up and climb again and to glorify you. I want you to be Lord of my life. God, until the day you take us, we'll continue to climb because we know that we know that we know that in all things, you work for the good of those who love you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.